Hi, this is Danielle from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 149 of Art for Your Ear. This episode is brought to you by SachiArt.com, the world's largest curated online art gallery offering original artwork and limited edition prints by independent artists from around the world. Now, speaking of Saatchi Art, I met my guest today last week while I was in L.A. He had a booth at the other art fair in Santa Monica, and I immediately beelined to him. Richard Holland is a British artist who is now living in L.A., and he paints beautifully. And boy, oh boy, you should see his frames. They are art pieces all on their own. Yep, he is one of those people who can build literally anything, and after talking to him for only a few minutes at the fair, I found out why. Richard was an art director and production designer in the movie business for 45 years. He worked on movies like, get ready, The Dark Crystal, Indiana Jones, Roger Rabbit, and brace yourself for this one, The Princess Bride. Yep, as soon as those three words left his mouth, I invited him to be on the podcast because, yes, it might be one of my favorite movies of all time. Anyway, in those few minutes of chatting, I also quickly realized what a smart, generous, talented man he was, and I wanted to make sure that you heard his story too. Ready? Calling Richard in LA. Hi, Richard. Hi, Danielle. Oh my gosh, I am so excited that we're doing this because we, well, I wrote about you, I found you because of the other art fair, because they asked me to pick a bunch of people, and I saw your work, and I was like, that guy. Then we actually met in person at the other art fair, because I was was way at the back. You were at the far, far end, and I was at the entrance, and I saw these amazing frames way down at the end, and I was like, I didn't even realize it was you, and I was like... I gotta go see that, and I went down, and it was you, and so it was, it was me. Yeah, it was so <laughs> nice to chat, and so um, I mean, I think it took us about five minutes of chatting before I realized I had to have you on the podcast. Thank you. You're great. <laughs> right, it's a great honor. Great honor. <laughs> I gonna, yeah. I mean, yes. Thank you. you oh, of <laughs> course. Well, you have quite the story, which is, but we're gonna. What I always do in my podcast is I like to start way at the beginning when people were kids because. Um, yes. it always, it always paints the story so well when you see where they started out. So when you were a little boy, were you artsy? I'm assuming the answer is yes. Did you say artsy or Nancy? <laughs> artsy. <laughs> were artsy. you making stuff? Was it encouraged? No, it wasn't. Um, I, you know, I was born, how can I put this? Um, at a younger age, I developed, um, you know, um, I was very artistic. Um, I loved to draw and I loved to sketch and I loved to, you know, throw color and paint around. And my mother, God bless her, um, thought it was a lot of fun, but she couldn't quite understand it all. Um, but I, the, you know, Daniel, the earliest recollection I have of being somewhat interested or connected to art was that my I used to get my mother to draw figures and she couldn't draw figures she wasn't artistic herself she was in different ways but not not in you know being able to draw or or paint in that way Um, and she used to draw these stick figures and I used to love her drawing these stick figures but I can remember and I couldn't have been more than four four or five at the most, I would say. Um, and I can remember very clearly thinking that that was really nice, but figures didn't really look like that. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Mum, if I can give you a bit of feedback. <laughs> you know, unless, they, of course, they were really skinny. But, you know, and I, I always try to make an attempt to draw figures as, obviously, as I saw them, but, you know, with more substance. Um, they weren't matchsticks. They were, they had body and shape to them. Um, I'm not saying they were, you know, Leonardo figures or anything <laughs> like that, but I'm saying they weren't matchsticks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so when you, um, we talked a little bit about this when we met, so your mom was like, okay, fine and fun, but that's not a job. Um, but then at school, were you still drawing and painting and things like that anyway? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I won, when I was about 10 or 11, I won a, um, a, like a, a state, England's term, it was county, uh, a state, in, in America's term, state, uh, award for best young artist, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Um, so I was always kind of, you know, practicing my art, um, but felt a little kind of always on my own. You know, because yeah. nobody in my family couldn't really get it. My my cousins, who I kind of like grew up with, um, my um, uh, one cousin in particular, uh, Robert, who was only 12 days older than me. So we kind of got brought up together. He was like a, he wasn't, he was a cousin, but he was like a brother. Mm -hmm. uh, he could always remember me. I don't remember this because I, I, to this day, I suffer with, kind of um, mental blackouts about my childhood and, and stuff. Uh, um, but he could remember me very clearly at Christmas times when we all used to, you know, the family used to gather together and there was always a large number of us. Um, but at night time, me being upstairs uh, uh, when everybody else was trying to get to sleep and I'd be painting and drawing into the early hours of the, the morning wow. uh, um, you know, at a very young age. So, and... I lived and dreamt it, you know, I, I, I felt that, you know, I, I, I totally could get Da Vinci mm -hmm. <laughs> without knowing anything about him, really. I just looked at his paintings and drawings and just kind of fell in love, you know, with that world of his. Uh, um, I just, it, it was my life and my passion. Um, and I went through uh, school um, having, um, you know, somewhat a emotional um, family life, you may say, if I, if I can be so kind. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can remember when I was about 15, my art teacher saying that I was good enough to go to the Royal Academy. Well, at 15, I mean, you just, it was unheard of, you yeah. know. Go to the Royal Academy at 15, you know, you have to have a degree and blah, blah, blah. Anyhow, so, um, but it never happened. Um, and in that period of my life between zero to 20, there was a lot concerning my art that was all so <sighs> full of prospects um, and none of it really happened. Hmm. Um, so did that kind of make you believe what your mother had said, that, you know, all, all fun, but it won't turn into anything? Yes, and it was confirmed, really, because of my... And I think we talked about this, Daniel, but yeah. because of um, the emotional um, upset I was having with my parents at the time, um, I was only about, I don't know, I don't know how old I was, really, six, seven, I, I, I really can't remember. 
Um, but um, my parents took me to social workers um, and to test, and I can't believe it, but these social workers gave me a test, an art test, and there were two um, little old ladies in tweed suits with grey, <laughs> tie-back grey hair and glasses. That's who and you want giving you an art test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Terrifying, isn't it? It's like going to kind of House on Haunted Hill or the Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre, you know. And um, they put all this paperwork in front of me and, and asked me to draw or paint. And the first thing I could think of was, no, I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. Why am I doing this? I can remember that very clearly, but I did it anyhow. And they came back and evidently, my so my mother told me um, that they said, that, yeah, he's got some talent, but he'll never, he'll never be an artist. Um, and so I've lived with that my entire life. You know? That just breaks my heart. Like, that just makes my heart drop in my chest. Thank you. Well, I, 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 thank you for saying that. But it's, it's, it's I, th I think, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, if we all try and do things with our kids that we never have had mm -hmm. happen to us. And I, I think one of the good things, that did come out of it is that I try and encourage as much as possible. You know, my kids are um, in areas that I felt that I never got. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's 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 as a child that stuff's pretty devastating. It is, and it sticks right in your head. I don't. I did yeah. I tell you when we were chatting that that's my next my next big dream is to write a kids book about exactly that. You did. Yeah, yeah, that's because I cannot tell yeah. you how many hundreds and hundreds of times I have heard a story almost exactly like that. And the kids are always between like five to eight yeah, and some, yeah, such an impressionable time. And a, and a grown yeah. up with authority, like little old ladies in tweed suits with paperwork, like that's pretty official. Yeah. Or well, a teacher or a parent telling you that you'll ne you'll, this will, you'll never be able to do this. Like that leaves a mark. You know, in in that in that absolutely, and in in that period between five and eight, it is the most impressionable time uh, for a child. Or, um, you know, if not younger, of course, but it's the most impressionable uh, time. You could change a child's um, life pattern. Yeah. In that time. That's heartbreaking. You yeah, you could you could change a, a, a child that is you know terror struck or uh, is. He's, he's, he's going to do everything wrong into doing, you know, most things right. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. yeah. It's such an impressionable age. Yeah, their little brains are growing so fast too. Yep. And yeah, it's amazing. And so, okay, so um, now yeah, do you think you can be an artist? Yes, I can. Okay, good. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that you've got that. Okay, so good, because but you it, are. It, it, always, <laughs> it always resounds in you. And it, it it sticks. Yeah. It's like a, 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 a you know, it's a Band-Aid that won't come off. Mm -hmm. It's just you who know? you are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know that at, the, at that fair where we where we met Danielle, mm -hmm. one of the, it, I had such a great time just meeting people and talking to people about, you know, what they thought of my artwork and who they were and blah, blah, blah. I met so many interesting people. But all the time, at the back of my head, I was determined that I had to sell something. Now, okay, so that's very nice. We all like to sell things. We all like to sell our art. But it was like a driving force 
and to and just to prove my mother and everybody else wrong. And you know, it drove me nuts. And then I got up Sunday, which was the last day, and I said, I just can't keep on thinking like this. I've just got to go and be present for the day. And of course, I went to the fair and tried to make myself present and, and enjoy the moment. And of course, I sold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. It, that is a very good lesson. You know? Yeah. And you probably had a lot more fun. And I had a lot more fun. Yeah. Absolutely right. I, did I know. A... Proving everybody else wrong is, um, I mean, that's a nice bonus when it happens. But when you're setting out to do that, it's, it's pretty toxic. It's toxic. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, like, okay, so let's rewind. Yeah. So now yeah. you're 20, or you're finishing high school. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, wouldn't it be nice if that's where we both are? Yeah. Um, okay, so you, you, because I, I know, because of our chatting, how, where your career ended up going, but so you're yeah. finishing high school. Did you go to art school? Where, where, what was your next step? No, I went to, again, it was all, you know, that period from 0 to 20 was, was like laden with, you know, <laughs> choirs singing and, and clouds parting and, and you know, <laughs> full of promise. Uh, um, it, it, but nothing really kind of like, you know, went well. It was all, you know, it was like being lost in the desert or, mm. you know, a lot of, you know, after school, a lot of backpacking, traveling around, doing odd jobs. And then I went to um, college. It was a further education college. Um, um, my parents, my mother insisted that I do something um, in the art field, but not be an artist. Uh, um, and, you know, I have to say to myself, you know, why didn't I stand my ground? But then I did. I did stand my ground, but it just didn't work out that way. Hmm. Um, but the interesting thing is this. When I was just looking at your questions and looking at my notes and looking at, you know, my, the pathways and things like that, is, is, is that a lot of the stuff that I thought at the time was either wrong or irrelevant to how and what I should be doing turned out to be relevant and important. I.e., like I went on a, um, a design course at this further education uh, college. Um, it was a three-year course, and I flunked it after two years. I just, I just, it, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. It wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't doing uh, painting and drawing. I was doing stuff that was okay, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And but it was because I did that unknowingly at the time that led me to meet these people that got me connected into something that I really did want to do. Because as a child, I can remember, I'm jumping a bit here, Danielle, all over the place. But <laughs> That's okay. As a child, I can remember, this is another thing, right? Um, we used to have these career uh, classes, <laughs> and so the class would go off like once a week, and they would either go on a uh, a visit to a factory or the army or <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah or, or wherever it was um or sit in the class and watch a movie or something you know on a particular career and one day there was a film on inside uh work the workings of an art department uh on a motion picture 
and in, in a British film studio. And I looked at this, and there was everybody there in, you know, ties and jackets and um, everything's looking prim and proper and rows of, you know, drawing boards and pencils and stuff like this. And I thought, wow, these guys are kind of like, you know, doing something really interesting here. And it took you around the art department showing different things. So at the end of this film, um, there was like any questions, and I stood up, raised my hand, and I said, how do I get into doing that? You know? How, how old did, were you, do you think? The 13. Okay. Something yeah. Like that. And, and the teachers basically told me to shut up and sit down. Oh. <laughs> he said, he said the openings are just non-existent. You'll never get in there, and I wouldn't even consider it. You know? Oh, well, thanks for showing the movie. Yeah, so what was the point of yeah. showing the movie in the first place? But anyhow, that sparked <laughs> some something. That just sparked something. So later on, after I left college, and after I'd done, I don't know, how many jobs? I mean, you name it, I did it, trying to find my way. And at the same time, um, trying to find my way in my own art, penciling and painting, but not having any real direction, being all over the place. Um, you know, I did a little exhibition in Hackney, I remember, of a couple of drawings, but nothing, there was nothing, you know, and I was working these 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 jobs that really weren't career jobs, they were just to, you know, so I could survive. Yeah. And doing painting and, and, and my art, kind of, when I could, when I had the energy to do it. Um, so I applied, I met somebody, that's right, I worked at Selfridges, that was it. I worked <laughs> at Selfridges, the big store, because mm -hmm. they were trying to find some people that they thought would fit this particular job. Um, they had, every Christmas, they do these amazing windows at Selfridges, mm -hmm. incredible. And they took the movie... Um, uh, Alice in Wonderland that had just come out and they were to convert Alice in Wonderland into these windows and into a, like a grotto up on the top floor or something where Santa, at the end of this Santa Claus sat. That's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Which we won't go into. <laughs> and anyhow, so I applied for this job because I thought, oh, this could be interesting because the guy who was leading it was a guy called Peter Howitt. Peter Howitt worked on the movie, oh. and he was a, a set decorator, and he was a set decorator of, you know, really, he was a really good one, uh, um, some renown. And so he chose me, along with, I don't know, 10, 15 other people. And we worked in these studios over at West Kensington, converting all the sets, and at the same time, I remember doing, painting a backing for... Um, the Queen um, the, of something she was doing in the Tower of London. And what? he did, yeah, he did, he did a bit of it and he said, Gordon, he says, you have a go as well. So I had a go and blah, blah, blah. And I had this like amazing time um, in these studios over at West Ken, Kensington. And after it was finished, it was kind of like a bit of a letdown, really. And I thought, oh my God, you know, where to next? And 
you know, I spoke to Peter about it. I said, you know, how do you get into the film industry? And, you know, because I like doing all this stuff. I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I enjoy it, you know. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> and and uh, um, he said to me, he said, it's really difficult because it's a closed shop. It's a, it's a total closed shop. And... Um, you know, it's all run by the unions. He says, and he says it's families. He says, you know, he says if you need a recommendation, you know, of course, he says I'll give you a recommendation. He says, but it's really tough. So anyhow, I didn't know what to do. So I wrote to the unions. I can't believe I did this, but I did. I wrote to the unions, and. A couple of months later, I got a call and said, can you come round and show us your work? So I sat around with all the unions, these, this group of people, showed them my work. What is that? Somebody really wants to talk to you. Yeah. I loved, I'm so sorry, Daniel. That's okay. I'm sorry. I'm just turning the power in that off. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and, yeah, so he said... Uh, um, they said, okay, thank you very much for coming in, blah, blah, blah. And it was at Wardour Street, and it was, it was so funny. It was a building that Nell Gwynn used to live in, you know, one of the uh, mistresses of Charles I. <laughs> it's this tiny little old place in Soho. Anyhow, uh, um, so um, another couple of months went by, and um, I got, they called me and said, would I be interested in, in working on a project? called Space 1999, and they're looking for an art department assistant. So I went down, I met um, a production designer called Keith Wilson, and a set decorator called Mike Ford. And uh, um, basically, I got the job, and I was on that for about a year and a half, um, and it kind of just changed my world. Wow. Were you pinching yourself? Like, were you just loving it when you were there? Well, it's, it, it, it was so... Hit hilarious in a way because I used to pinch myself constantly because I, I, I got adopted by Michael and his partner um, and I was like a straight guy in um, La Cage La Folle if you like <laughs> oh, yeah. and I used, to, I used to be taken to work in this vintage Bentley <laughs> and um, I was it was like and I was the tea boy <laughs> <laughs> You didn't work cut off short shorts, did you? I didn't. Okay. I, I didn't go that far. <laughs> so how okay, how old were you? Were you in your like young twenties at this stage? Twenty one. Twenty one. Okay. Oh my god. So you would bring tea to people? Yes. I would bring tea and that sounds a, an easy enough job, but let me tell you, the British in their tea, how many sugars do you put in this? This doesn't look strong enough. You know, how long did you boil the water? Uh blah blah blah. But Daniel, you know, it gave me a great opportunity for to meet different people because it was one of the best jobs you could ever ask for because I used to take the blueprints I used to take the drawings get them into blueprints and then take them around to all the different departments and because a lot of the departments at Pinewood Studios in those days weren't freelance they were all you know it was still you know, they had the stills room, they had the plasters department, they had the carpenters department. They were all regular employees, most people. So I wasn't. I was freelance. Um, and so was 
you know, the rest of the art department. But mm. those trades were employees. And so I used to take them around to all the different departments. And I can remember, um, do you remember the, I don't know if you do, but the, the big kind of pinkish red, you know, with the creature, the cyclops at the, at the fair? Yes, of course. Yeah. Well, I used to, t um, my very first movie that I did, not TV, but movie, was Clash of Titans. And I used to take Ray Harryhausen, his tea, <laughs> and the blueprints, of course. And in between everything, he used to sit me down and show me how he would do all the stop motion and, and, and the stuff. Wow. Uh, and so, you know, and I can remember having lunch with Joan Collins and, and you know, um, Barbara Bain and, and, you know, tons of them. Um, and there I was, the tea boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we just came up with the title for your podcast episode. <laughs> the T-boy. And so, like, I guess, okay, first of all, do you still remember how he takes his tea? No. Oh, <laughs> I thought maybe that would have been emblazoned in your memory. So when you would go in there, were you, were you being, um, not brash, but like confident enough to say, can you show me how the stop motion works? Or was he sort of no. volunteering that? I was always a nervous wreck, really. Uh, um, you know, um. Not a nervous wreck, but I think that's an exaggeration. But I was always kind of like somewhat shy. Yeah. Um, and suffering with a little lack of confidence, I would say. Um, but I, I found that if you were interested enough, people would, you know, respond. Right. Um, I, I was, Daniel, I was very fortunate. I, I met two really great people. Uh, one which Michael Ford, who I mentioned earlier with the uh, vintage Bentley, yeah. <laughs> he, he went on to get three Oscars, uh, um, you know, a great set decorator. And the other one was the master draftsman of Europe, who took me under his wing for, and I trained with him for 10 years. Wow. And we worked, you know, with everybody from, you know, Kubrick to Zeffirelli to, you know, and all over the place. Wow. Uh, so yeah. once you get, got in on that first, you know, gig and you were the T-boy, was that just, that was it? Like you, now you were in the family and off you went? Yes. Wow. But it's, 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 it's because you were freelance, you still had to, there's always, you know, about getting your next job. Right. Um, but I found, you know, the, the art department in Britain, because it was a clique, the union, the same time I got in, they allowed three people in because nobody had got into the art department for years. Wow. So they opened up the, the door a little, and I was one of them. Another guy that became a very good friend of mine to this day, Dave all day, he was at the other. And the other one was Stanley Kubrick's daughter, Catherine. <laughs> uh, um, and we were the three um, new blood. And, uh, um, you know, and we, you had to learn, there was no film schools. You had to learn, um, you know, I as I say, I spent 10 years learning architecture with the Master Draftsman of Europe. And we learned everything from Greek, Roman, Egyptian, you name it. Um, and the way that they used to build things and so forth. 
and it, it, it was an extraordinary privileged experience. Mm-hmm. And now you can build anything. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, because now we're to, you're not in London right now. You live no. in Los Angeles. So at yeah. what point, what was it that got you across the pond, as they say? Last of the Mohicans. Oh, uh, my God. The film Last of the Mohicans with Daniel Day-Lewis and uh, Madeleine Stowe. And uh, the production designer, I was the supervising art director uh, that used to work with a, um, a production designer um, who was, uh, still is, I mean, he's, you know, he's a great production designer um, called Wolf Kroger. Um, and he got the, we finished a movie in Montreal, um, and I was on that for about a year and a half, I think. And uh, um, he said he, he had a meeting with Michael Mann and they wanted him to do Last of the Mohicans, but he didn't want to go unless we was going to do it with him. So uh, we said, we'll do it. And uh, um, so I went out to, started off first in Los Angeles, um, and then we moved to uh, North Carolina. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, and during all this time, are you now married and stuff? No. Okay, so you're no. pretty free to go and do, like, you can go and live in Montreal for a year and you can... Well, I, you know, again, because of this, you know, the industry of, how can I put it? Um, I, I was married previously, but I got divorced. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough industry because, yeah. you know, you, you, you know, and there was no work in the UK, I remember at the time, in the film industry. And I got offered a work on a James Bond movie, but it was in Mexico. And I had to do it because, you know, I just got divorced. I got a five-year-old, six-year-old um, little boy. Uh, um, I got to pay maintenance, you know, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And, and it was horrible. I didn't want to go. Yeah, I did want to go because I had to work. Right. Um, and I would never forget that anguish. Uh, of you know, that was tough. Leaving him, yeah. And and that was that was I was away on that show for over a year. Oh, yeah, over a year in Mexico, and you know, at a time when there wasn't Facebook and there wasn't you yeah know, Skype and Skype. FaceTime, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, letters and I used to send tape recordings of my voice home and. Oh. Uh, Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, I have one yeah. son, and I like at the thought. Of, I I was just away for ten days, and that was a lot. And he's twelve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, no, I it's, totally it's, get it. It it it's so tough that stuff. And, yeah, you know, which is the the, the reason why you know uh, working in that. You know, I, I think the music industry is pretty much the same as well. You know, is it's got a high casualty rate of uh, family life. Yeah. in that industry. Yeah, I know uh, quite a few. I have a few friends in LA and in the movie business, you know, from like actors to lighting people to whatever. And yeah, yeah your your life is kind of not your own when you're on projects. No. Yeah. No. Um, well, you know the project I want to talk about. No. Princess no. Bride. No. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. When you said that at the fair, I was just like, 
what the what? I, I, I honestly don't know how many times I have seen that movie. And I know that everyone listening right now is like, princess, what now? Because everybody, that is such, okay, how did that come about? And did, did you people have any idea what a like cult classic that would become? No, there was two movies, of, of all the movies I've worked on, there was two movies that really kind of like shaped themselves as they went along. Can I guess the other one? Yeah. Dark Crystal. Nope. Oh, um, okay, no, I don't no, know. No. Right. Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, yes, I was on your IMDb page, and I was yeah. just like, what? And what? And that one? And what? And Labyrinth? Yeah, yeah. Good Lord. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but, but Roger Rabbit, we, we, we were making up as we went along, <laughs> you know, and it was, it was, you know, with a lot of, I have to say, a lot of guidance from the director, uh, um, but, yeah, you know, many times we were found scratching our head. <laughs> was and that the first th- time that they'd ever done live action and animated together? I don't think so. I think they'd done it. I, I can remember a film, Brer Rabbit. Yeah. And oh, it yeah. had live action. Yeah, and, and I guess like Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Yeah. But it was the first time that it ever been done so successfully blended in that way. Right. And they had Dick Williams as the chief animator who drove us all nuts. And so we put him in a, a porter cabin, stuck, <laughs> stuck him away from everybody so he didn't <laughs> irritate everybody. <laughs> but... Uh, um. Yeah, and Princess Bride was, I don't know, we all felt something was special about that because the production designer, Norman, who asked me to do that show with him, Norman Carwood, uh, um, was, if you looked at Norman, he was Princess Bride. I don't know what that means, but he, he, he kind of like, he sums up the humour and the, and the, he's that kind of, nobody else could have done that movie except for Norman. <laughs> You know? Yeah. And he, he he kind of he had that say he had that mentality, that 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 kind of that sense of humour. Yeah, it's like uh, sweetness but hilarious yeah. and weird and lovely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But lovely, you know, because he was he was Norman was such a, a lovely guy. And um but we did that movie. I, I kind of focused on the the ship. Mm. The two ships on that. And then um, the pit of despair, I, I focused on that. Sure. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Yeah. And I, it, was, it was just, it was, a, it was a challenging, very, very challenging. I had more challenges on that movie than, 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 than most. Um, How long did that movie take? They always used to take at least six or eight months. That's it? Yeah. Yeah. But that was, you know, but then something like Dark Crystal took two years. Right. You know, Indiana Jones, I suppose, you know, a year, year and a bit. It depends. Mm. I mean, it wasn't a big budget movie. What, Princess Bride? Yeah, it was kind of mid-range, you know? Huh. It's just there's so many things in it that are, um, like when you said that you worked on the ships, the first thing I thought, anybody want a peanut? (laughs) 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 Um. It's just there's so many awesome parts and, and, in it. Andre, the giant. I mean, he really was a giant. Yeah. I mean, it's like 
huge. He was Colossus, Andre. And he had a big, booming voice. And he was like the expression gentle giant. He was. He was He was so kind and, and, and stuff. But, you know, he would consume vast quantities of alcohol. And, oh, <laughs> and, and vast, I mean vast <laughs> quantities. I mean, no sipping kind of like gently, you know, like from a wine glass. It would be glug, 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 you know. <laughs> sure. Gone. <laughs> Gone in a heartbeat. Um, and <laughs> with green huge fumes like over you first thing in the morning it's like a kind of you know being in a windstorm of alcohol <laughs> you could probably just get a little tipsy just from the air going past totally. <laughs> um well can i ask so how does it work i was trying to figure this out with like a production designer is a production designer uh, the art directors are below them Yes. Well, and so the production designer decides, how does that all work? Like, who's deciding what? It, the, the pecking order. Yeah. It. The pecking order is, is it kind of like you get the, we'll start with the, <laughs> we'll start with the T-boy, right? Right. <laughs> everything starts so with get, the T-boy. Everything starts with the T-boy. If you want to know anything, you go to the T-boy because <laughs> they know everything that's going on, you know. <sighs> so, and then you get the set designers. You know, you have assistant set designers. They call them draftsmen in the UK. Okay. And um, then there's assistant art directors. And then there's art directors. And then there's production designers. And the difference between a production designer and an art director is this. And not every art director can become a production designer because it's a different beast. Mm. Uh, It's not a natural... You would think it is a natural move. Um, it's not. It's you go from an art director who is focused on a particular project, like a ship, like a ship, right, and making sure it gets there, to the production designer who's in charge of the whole vision, right, the whole picture. And he will have a team in place of people, he or she, that can do various things that he or she can see. Right. And they report directly with the deep, to the DP, yeah. the director of photography, uh, the director, who's his right hand, mm-hmm. uh, and the producers. And so does the production designer get to make anything anymore? Um, there's very few... But I, it sounds it sounds nuts, but there's very I mean, especially when I came over here to the states, you know, was working, yeah, been working in the American uh, film industry. Um, in Britain, it's kind of like a, a a natural thing because you have to really do. It may have changed, you know. I mean, I've worked in the UK now for twenty years, so I'm sure it's changed. But I mean, in in, in the UK, there's a very serious apprenticeship. You know, you you are not even considered uh, an assistant art director, uh, um, you know, unless you've done your time over the drawing board. Right. Um, Where here, you know, everybody wants to be a director or producer and not prepared to kind of like, you know, do their, you know, their journey. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then go off down to the carpenter's shop and tell the carpenter, you know, what to do. And, yeah, I mean, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you have to know how to do it to. Yeah. Because it's so, it kind of reminded me of like in aver- I was in advertising for years, and you know you start out as a T boy. No, <laughs> you start out as like a junior designer, and then you yeah. kind of move your way up, and then you're a senior designer, and then you yeah. become a creative director. But when I became a creative director, all of a sudden I wasn't designing anymore. I was overseeing yeah. other people, and I hated that. I was like, I, I oh, want to make stuff. That is a that's that that is a thing. Um, you know, a, a lot of people, uh, production designers, get as many concept people um, in as they can um, for them to you know come up with the concepts. You know, the designer has to approve it. Right. Um, and I've done that. Yeah. You know, just where I haven't had time to do it myself. But if I do have time to do it myself, I like to at least have been able to give them a sketch or an idea or something that I was, you know, that I would want from them. Right. Get um, it out of your head and, and hopefully into you're, theirs. You're, you're in meetings all the time. Yes, and that's. I was in meetings eight hours a day. Yep, that's what happens. That's so, what happens. So did you, okay, I first have to ask one more Princess Bride question. <laughs> and then and then we'll continue talking about yeah. your artwork. But the it was Princess Bride, was that filmed somewhere or was that on sets like were you on a lot no we were based at shepparton at studios yeah the, at the time used to be owned by the who i think it was the who oh. owned it. roger daltrey and, and and all that lot used to own it wow and uh, um which was interesting because a lot of musicians were into that kind of, i used to work with george harrison for a bit with handmade films wow yeah he was he was like he did a a few good films, actually. George Harrison. Yeah. Wow. I used to like that. And, um, but no, it was made at Shepparton uh, in England and locations, like the castle was locations. Oh, okay. Some of the interiors we built on the stages are uh, the uh, fortress of whatever it was called, up on the top of the cliffs. Yeah. <laughs> that was... Um, we built that on the stage, but then it was a combination of CGI and location elements. Mm-hmm. What about when she ro- when they roll down that giant hill? Location. <laughs> location. Yeah, uh, all in England. All in England. Yeah. Okay, I feel better now. Now I know. Um, yeah. Okay, Dark Crystal also like formed some very weird dreams as a child. Yes. That yes. was. Let's, what's the technical term? Whack. <laughs> that was such a weird, I, I mean, I don't even fully remember it. Like when I, when I saw it on your list, I was like, oh my gosh, I should watch this again. Cause I, I watched it a lot when I was little and it was weird. Yeah. Yeah. But well, I loved it. Yeah. Well, Jim Henson, Jim Henson, you know, he was, well, he was, well, he was a genius. He yeah. really was. And. He he kind of he had he just had great vision. Yeah. He, he he knew what he wanted and how he wanted it. He would always listen to other people, um, and you know carry out if he thought that their ideas were were better. I was always impressed with him and Frank Oz. Mm. You know his his business partner, and but he used to sound just like Kermit. Oh, yeah, because he was Kermit's voice. He was Kermit's voice. Oh, that's he hilarious. Was, it was just like you had Kermit talking to you all the time. Yeah, that's weird. But you just could close your eyes and be like, oh, Kermit. Uh, uh, Frank Oz was Miss Piggy. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that is really weird. It was quite weird. I mean, being in the same room with him, having a conversation, I can tell you. <laughs> he, no, he was, he was, uh, um, he used to have a workshop. Um, they called it the workshop um, down in Hampstead. Oh. Uh, where they would make everything, Hampstead in North London. Yeah. And because he was based, he had a house there in Hampstead. Um, um, and he, right to the, I think he, I think that's where he passed away, I think. Oh. There, in that house. And uh, um, uh, he, uh, they did the costumes on that. You can't, even though, you know, it's beautifully shot, but the costumes on that was done by the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> and the detail of those costumes on those skexes and that was, you couldn't, I mean, it's, it just went on and on and on and on. Uh, um I think they've been on exhibition and wow. You know, there was an exhibition at the Victoria and Albany, I think, on those costumes. And they're pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. When, when, what year was Dark Crystal? In their eighty, early eighties. <sighs> I think it was. Yeah. I think it was. It was the first movie for me that I got taken a little bit more seriously than just a T boy or assistant. Oh, okay. And they moved me up uh, into an office and blah, blah, blah. And that was, was that a draftsman position then? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you had all the set decorating department. You know, you had the set decorator uh, um, and then, you know, all his team. Mm-hmm. You know, you could go on and on and on. I mean, it's so great, though, that, like, you happened to get in when the door cracked open. And then once yes. once you scoot through... Yeah. Like the vastness and like um, you know somebody who can create and make well that thir- that that guidance counselor from when you were thirteen was very wrong. <laughs> yes, yes. But you did it. Yes, you know I was doing I was practicing art, but I was still yeah you know, this I I was still not painting on canvases. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay, that's that's the segue. So you're doing all of this. I know that like in this world it is you're sleeping and breathing whatever project you're on. So during all this time, were you doing any of your own work? Very little. Because it's it's so in in, intense when you're working. And then when you're not working, all you're worried about because you know, he's he's working on somebody yeah, and somebody said to me, he said, well, can't you take six months on and six months off? Yes, of course you can. But, you know, it doesn't really work like that. Yeah, it, somebody might not hire you. and Somebody might, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and six months can go into a year. And, and a year can go into a year and a half. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then you're it's, not relevant and other people are sneaking yeah. through that door. Totally. Yeah. I know, totally. that's, how I, that's how I felt in advertising too. It was just like, you've just got to take the like because i did freelance too and it's like you got to just take the next thing it's like feast or famine that's right okay so then yeah at what exactly point did you start actually making your own art um well having been in the industry 45 years freelance oh my <laughs> god that's a lot of feasting and famining that's a lot of feasting and famine <laughs> that that really is i mean you know but you know i wouldn't there's a lot of it. Some of it I'd exchange, <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of it, I, I, I certainly wouldn't because you know it's, it's, it's fantastic, yeah. really. You know, um, 
you know, seeing places and meeting people that you would never normally, you know, be in a position to meet mm-hmm. uh, and stay at a place. I've seen incredible palaces, you know, that the public never get to see. Incredible. And met, you know, princes and kings and and also the garbage collector, you know, that yeah. was you know, the local garbage collector that turned out to be a, a ball of fun or something. You yeah, know, yeah. just a whole range of different people and personalities and and skill sets. Um, incredible. Yeah. Skill sets. I mean, once we were doing um, Three Musketeers in Vienna, shooting that in Vienna. And I was based in Vienna for, I don't know, eight, nine months or whatever it was. Oh. And uh, um, our team, not all of it, because I brought a lot of our crew, art department-wise, from the UK. Um, some of the best technicians from the UK used to have a great team. And uh, um, the uh, set decorating side were Italian. We brought from Rome. And uh, um, Bruno Cesare, I think, he, he won the Oscar for The Last Emperor. Wow. And uh, um, Bruno and his team were extraordinary. I mean, the talent of these 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 guys were just, you know, <laughs> extraordinary, really. Just extraordinary what they could do, you know, paint, draw, make, create. Incredible stuff. Incredible. Um, you know, so you... you, you you get these, you know, it's, 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 it's wonderful opportunities. But, you know, like a lot of these things, you know, it has its price. And, and, the, and the price is, is that, um, you know, it's very difficult to build on relationships. Um, as you said, it's feast or famine. You've got to take those opportunities when they're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I found that when I used to get home, you know, it was like starting again. I could never build on relationships. Right. It, it was pretty, you know, tough to do that because as soon as you started to build on a on a base, uh, um, you were off again. Right. You know? Yeah. But, you know, because you had to be, and you know, so there was always there's like with everything, you know, what's in one hand, you've got stuff going on in the other hand. Right. But I did that for forty five years. Um, and survived it, where most people kind of like, you know, survive four or five years. And, right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, but interestingly enough, you know, I, I, I kind of said I got to a point where if I'm not going to turn around and start painting now, when am I going to do it? Yeah. You know, when I'm dead, you know, when I'm kind of... <laughs> You know, I wouldn't recommend that. I don't think that would go very well. Yeah. You know, <laughs> sitting on a plane or a helicopter or something. You know, when am I going to start? So at some point, you know, you have to say, I'm, you, you can either leave this world without trying or, or you know, without, you've got to make mistakes. Yeah. You've got to mess up to keep moving forward. You have to. You know, not, yeah. not all the time, but at times. And you know, I, my wife is a is a huge supporter. I, you know, she's just amazing. And 
I've had to say, you know, okay, I've got to start because if I don't, when am I going to do it? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some of my early stuff is awful, you know, <laughs> but I'm growing. And well, it should be. You know, and, if you'd sat down and done the first one and it was perfect, well, that's yeah, not a, much yeah. of a journey. <laughs> yeah. But as you grow, you know, you can see, you know, the pathways, new pathways coming in. And, you know, I have to say, you know, like, you know, that art show, uh, um, you know, meeting you, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, all different things. It's all, it's all new. You know, this is all new. Uh, and it's great and it's exciting. Um, you know, so... It's, well, you know, when we, I, I think we talked about this quickly when we met. I think we only talked for like eight minutes, but we covered a lot. Um, we covered a lot. <laughs> we yeah. did. Well, but I think, um, <laughs> well, one thing I love is just your, like your sort of lust for life and your obvious curiosity about new things and, you know, like, and, and yeah, putting that step ahead. And, um, and we talked about the fact that um, the hindsight thing, right? Like you don't you don't really realize till you can stop and look back, but like everything that you did, I mean, and now it's influencing your art. Yes. You know, and, um, the first thing I, I mean, I love, well, yeah. And, and, um, I can't remember if I said this to you or not, but that my collages are really simple and, um, you know, some of them take me 15 minutes to do. And I was thinking like, Oh geez, like how can I sell something that took me 15 minutes? And I had somebody on the podcast who was very smart, who I can't even remember who it was now, said, well, hold on, that didn't take you 15 minutes. That took you 45 years and 15 minutes. No, absolutely. And I think that's so true, right? Like, um, looking at your work now and your craftsmanship, I mean, you're a wonderful painter, but the first thing I saw was those frames. I was just like, what? Right. You know, because... It's part you... of the thing. Yeah. I, could, I, could, I can't, you know, it, it, it took me 45 years to get to that point. Yeah. You know, and you wouldn't have gotten there otherwise. Yeah. And as you know, I was, I, I was saying earlier that it, it suddenly, it, it, I, I woke up and I suddenly realized, you know, that I couldn't have done or do what I'm doing now without having done what I've done. Yeah. And I, I, it was such a revelation to me. I never even saw, it sounds, sounds pretty kind of like simple really, but, I never saw a, a, a second of that, and it was like this. It was like a revelation. It was like a whole new world opening up of me realizing this. And you know, it's like sometimes we don't see the the thing that's sitting right in front of us. You know, yeah. we just we just kind of glide past it. And I remember going out to lunch with a friend of mine and me telling him all of this, and you know, he was generally very excited for me. But on the same score, it's kind of like. How I, why didn't I get an inkling of any of this? Because, and I tell you why, and it's because I hadn't ventured. I hadn't put, I didn't leap, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I may have kind of like put my foot forward, but you've got to kind of like take a risk. You've got to kind of like stick your head in. Yeah. You know, you've got to kind of like say, hi, I'm here. You know, let's that's, 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 that's try. And you know what? This may not be the be-all and end-all. I may go off on a different direction, and that's fine as well. Yeah, because this is what's leading you to that. Yes, totally. It's like. But did you have the, that the, moment when when you decided you were going to start painting again? Did you have any of those like 
moments from your mom saying anything or those little tweed ladies saying anything, did any of that come into your head or were you, you'd made enough in your life and you'd, you'd experienced enough craftsmanship as if that you were like, Oh, forget them. And you were off to making, or did you have that yeah. moment? No, I, they come, they come in different times. Yeah. They, <laughs> they, they come in different times. I, they weren't even in it. Yeah. They weren't, they were nowhere to be seen at that particular point. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of like, creep in of moments of doubt right <laughs> just, just when the least you want them right then you just slam the door on their on their little tight yeah. gray buns and just say no get yeah. out of here totally. <laughs> but it's, it's, it, it is it's, it's created this you know this this new world um for me that i feel that you know i don't know if i'm on the right path or not but i feel i'm enjoying it yeah, you know? and that's what I matters. Mean, it's like exactly what you said about being at the fair and just going in and on that third day and being in the moment exactly. and not worrying about, you know, I often, when I talk to so often, stu- well, everybody, but students for sure that, you know, when we were, I was just talking to a bunch of um, girls that are about to graduate from um, high school and I was saying to them, you know, they're all going crazy about college applications right now and what will the colleges want and whatever. And I said, but remember when you were little and you would find like a feather on the way home from school and you would just get home and put glitter on it and glue some macaroni on there and put it on the fridge and you weren't worried if a college was into feathers and glitter right now. And, you know, for older people, you weren't worried if galleries were looking for that. You just made it because you couldn't not make it. That's right. And I yeah. think being present right. and just enjoying what you're doing. And I mean, yeah. like you said at the beginning, sales are great. But um, yeah. if you can just be present and enjoy making because that's what you were born wanting yes. to do, then it's such a better life. And yeah. then the sales do come. That's the crazy thing. Yes, absolutely. It yeah. kind of like, you know, I, it's, it's, it's also like, um, like trying to sell something is, 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 is like fishing. You know, it's like kind of like, I used to have a, a friend of mine who was a great fly fisherman, and he used to take me and, and taught me forever how to fly fish. And I could be standing next to him, and I would go all day without catching a thing, and he would, like, cast his rod and catch two on one line. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, why, how does that happen? I, I, <laughs> I, do, I do not know, but once you catch, once you get, into the moment, into the moment, and into what you're doing, you start catching fish. Yeah. You know? It's, it's, a, um, it's a very strange thing. And you can want it and want it and want it, and it still won't happen. But something snaps, something clicks. Yeah. You know? And all of a sudden, you're still one, and then you're still two, and, t- and three. Yeah. Or and you'll be off. And then once you start doing that, what I found too is like when that started happening for me, this was a few, well, quite a few years ago now, I I sold a piece that had a bear on it and then everybody wanted a bear. And so I was like making all these bears because bears were selling like hotcakes. And then I was like, I don't want to be doing bears. But, you know, it's just like, yeah, and you have to like recalibrate yourself and be like, oh, hold the phone. Like, that's great. But I want to be doing this creatively. And you kind of have to just keep forging ahead like this whole time we've been talking I've just been picturing like this path you know like and you just have to put one foot in front of the the other and do what feels right and you know veer left or veer right or keep going straight 
when it feels good. But it's, it's like you with your collages, you know. I mean, out of that, you get asked to, you know, do something huge. Right, right. Yeah, I know. It's, I know. And it's, that's the thing is I've had to practice what I preach, right? You know, and, and yeah. um, I have to take that jump too, because, you know, for a long time, I had a really bad experience in art school and um, was so scared take that jump because I was told that I like it just like you, that I would never be able to do it. And part of me obviously believed that. I just, I just, you know, I find it very difficult to, to accept, you know, that there's people out there and we both know that there are, but I mean, you know, who does that? I know. There's, there's, there's usually something in everybody, you know? Yeah, of course there is. And, and who are these people to say you can or can't like, yeah. I don't get it. I don't know. I'm certainly not one of those people that says you can't. I'm running around the world telling everybody they can. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why I say I have to practice what I preach. If I'm if I'm telling everybody, like, you can do this, follow your instincts, be true to yourself, like, I have to do it too. And it feels really nice, at, you know, 25 years out of art school to finally be doing what I want to do. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah congratulations. But, I mean, especially, especially in, in our days, you know, of art that is so, you know, in 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 the um, um, the I don't know, the olden days, you know, the fourteen fifteen hundreds, you know, there was art was defined, you know, it was all kind of you know religious, right. romantic, and whatever. But nowadays, it's so undefined. Uh, um, it can be so many different things. That's so, true. And then you add social media into it, and it's really the wild west. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I know you kind of have to just like you said you just have to make your own way and I love that even like I think your work now is just so accomplished and so fantastic and it's so funny that you're like I don't know if this is where like you know it's like who knows well I've I've got this thing going on in my head right now I see keep seeing these four panels not panels but four frames yeah I can see the frame as clear as anything but one of them has got mermaids in and I keep seeing this thing as clear and as crystal crystal clear as anything, right? And I've sketched it out, roughed it out, and I keep thinking, what the hell is this bloody mermaid thing? I, I've, I've never had a thing for mermaids. You know, what the hell is that about? But I've got this thing where all these mermaids are all twined and twisted and moving up and pointing up and coming to the surface and and... Um, um, whatever, and I have to put it out on paper. Yeah, you do. Yeah, but I mean, mermaids, really? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I just, uh, I don't know. But you know, <sighs> I know that's so funny. I well, I was, I always tell the story that because like, my collages now involve usually a blob or two of paint and then cut out things, and uh, I hadn't painted in years, like fifteen years, and. Uh, one morning I was lying in bed and I decided I was going to do, it was over the Christmas holidays and I was going to do a, um, a collage a day because that's what I tell everyone else to do, right? Yes. Do a one a day yeah. project. So I was going to yeah. do a collage a day and see if I could break through some stuff. And I was lying in bed the first morning and I had, my eyes were still closed and I had this picture in my head of a blob of paint with a little cutout guy standing on it. And I said to my husband, I have to buy paint. <laughs> he was like, well, okay. I hadn't, used paint in 15 years I ran out and bought paint and now that's what all my work is it's these blobs of paint and these little people reacting to them and 
It was yeah. the it was like the mermaid thing. It was just like, what the hell is this blob of paint doing in my yeah. head? I haven't had a I've never had a blob of paint in my head, but it's here, <laughs> and I gotta get it out. <laughs> so I yeah. think your mermaids have to come out. Well, my 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 my, and thank you for that because it, I I can see a you associate the two there because you know my son, my twelve year old son, he's a very good artist. He's he wants to be a, a fashion designer, wow. and uh, um, but when he was about. 12 he used to create these incredible kind of like interactive events if you like <laughs> <laughs> and i remember coming home and there was like stickies on the carpet of like arrows you know go this way you know the old thing so you had to follow these arrows all around the house and eventually took you into the bathroom and i looked into the bath and there sitting in the bath was a mermaid sitting on a pile of rocks that he found in the garden, surrounded by, because he turned the tap on, water. <laughs> wow. And I thought, that's, that's pretty cool. That's so amazing. Yeah. That is very cool. Isn't that cool? Yes. He used to do all those that, that kind of stuff. Like our fireplace in, in the bedroom. Um, well, we can't use it as a fireplace because he's he's because it looks like the inside of a castle because it's all the bricks right. and, the, and the soot on the on the bricks and, and stuff like that. He's furnished it all <laughs> with with little doll's house chairs and chandeliers coming down, so it looks like a a, a rich man's oh, or rich person's room with tapestries mini tapestries and stuff. So he's created a room at the interior of the fireplace. I think he might have gotten some of your DNA. <laughs> that yeah. is fantastic. He, he wouldn't agree, of course. But, of course. Yeah. No, not for another 15 years or so. <laughs> no, no, not for another. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is the coolest. Yeah, we can't touch it. It's even getting copied. I hope you photographed that. Yeah. Okay. It's even, it's even get, I'll send you a photograph. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's even getting cobwebs now because we can't touch it. And he, he said, leave it because he loves the cobwebs. That's what oh. he wants. Oh, my God. It's like Mrs. Havisham's, you know, kind yeah. of living room. Oh, my God. I wonder what he'll end up. That's very, very cool. Yeah. And I love that you're his father and you're not telling him that he can't do it. Like, no. That's exactly. where creative genius is going to come, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, <sighs> it's, it's like my son, my, I've got three sons and one daughter. And but my eldest son, uh, my thirty-three uh, year old, um, he he was he was at art college. He went to art college. He was doing um, sonar art, which is a mixture of uh, sound, music, and art. Wow! And we took him to the Tate, uh, not the new Tate, the old Tate in London. And we walked into this room. And we looked above the door, and there was an art piece there. And what it was, it sounds bizarre, which when it was bizarre, and it was a glass of water on a shelf, right? Mm -hmm. And he laughed at that, and he said, oh, blah, blah, blah. Well, we didn't laugh, especially my wife, because she loves all this stuff, you know. Uh, um, and she kind of, like, discussed this with him about the pros and cons of this glass of water on a shelf. 
And he says, well, that's a waste of time. What a load of rubbish that was, blah, blah, blah. But the fact remains is he never forgot that glass of water on a shelf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to this day, is brought up. And much more than, you know, any priceless uh, um, um, Mona Lisa or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that glass of water on a shelf keeps rearing its head time and time, <laughs> time again. Just amazing. Yeah. You could put That's a little tea bag in there and... Uh, Absolutely you can. Pop some yeah. sugar in and you'd be right back yeah. to your starting yeah. place. Starting place. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's so true. Oh, this has been so much... But you know what? We're not done because we have to do the not-so-speedy speed round. The what? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So when I first started the podcast three years ago, yeah. I thought it would, wouldn't it be fun to do a speed round, you know, like... Quick answer, blah, blah. But I can't do quick answers because I, I always have follow-up questions. So it has become the not-so-speedy speed round. <laughs> <laughs> TM. I need to trademark that. Okay, so I have four questions for you. Yes. Okay. What is your favorite thing to have for breakfast? Oh, well, I can tell you that, but I, I'm, I'm trying not to eat it now because my cholesterol level. So uh, eggs, eggs and bacon, sausage, tomatoes, mushrooms, and uh, black pudding. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so now, what do you have instead? Like half a grapefruit? Yes, a banana or. <laughs> oh, that's or, so sad. Yeah. No, I listen. I I kind of like I can eat most things really, but I I don't know. I just had a my cholesterol. I just got to watch it. So this week I've started today. <laughs> oh God! What did you have for breakfast today? today? Um. Well, I had banana and I had uh, um. Um, I don't know what it was. I don't know, some pastry or something that I shouldn't have eaten. Yeah. <laughs> Good. At least there's a balance there. Um, okay, and so next question with that, I think I already know the answer to this, coffee or tea? Tea. Yeah. Now, all of your Americanizing. Like yeah, I do like coffee. Okay. Tea. All right. Um, Yorkshire tea. <laughs> how Yorkshire do you take tea. it? We should know that. Milk, no sugar. Okay, that's easy. Yeah. How how long does it need to be steeped for? Well, if it's Yorkshire tea, not very long at all, because the tea infuses the water pretty much straight away. Okay. Um, it's, and it's the best. I think it's better than PG. What's PG? PG tips. I don't PG know. PG tips. Yeah. PG tips is like the, how can I put it? It's like the working man's tea. Okay. If you like. it's, it's, it's guaranteed a good cup of tea. Oh, see, this is why you have to have British people on the podcast. <laughs> These are the things you find out. Yorkshire tea, um, I think is better. But a lot of people would argue with me on that. Yeah. Okay, well, next time, I'm not a tea drinker. My mom is a, the, the joke in our house is that my mom, at least three times a day, three times a day will say, I need a nice cup of tea. It's never like I need a cup of tea, a nice cup of tea. I made her a teapot for Christmas one year that just said a nice cup of tea because that's, what it, yeah, that's yeah. what it needs to be. And so I'll tell her Yorkshire because I don't think she knows that. Okay, written it down. Okay, two more. Would you rather go to outer space or the bottom of the ocean? I think I'd rather go to the outer space. And the, the reason being I did because I thought it would help me um, on movies, I learned how to um, do sub aqua 
Um, and I enjoyed it, but I also, I also, uh, it's pretty scary. It's pretty, it's, there's, it's, there's a, I can, I've never been to outer space, but I should imagine there's a lot of similarities because it's like being in space. Yeah. Or I could imagine. nowhere. But then yeah. a shark could come up at any second. Yeah. And then all of a sudden something kind of like comes around, you know, the corner and it could be pretty scary. I don't like um, that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think. I Did think, you ever see anything scary down there? Yeah, I saw. Um, just trying to think of the name of that fish. It's a, it's a, it's a nasty one. Um, barracuda. A barracuda. Yeah. With those no, big teeth. Those bottom yeah. teeth. No, it's not barracuda. Oh. It's um. I'm, no, it's a big fish. It's a big fish. Um, barracudas tiny, aren't they? Well, they're kind of like. They can be like big-ish. They can be like big salmon. Oh, maybe and a bit bigger. And they've got two bottom yeah. teeth that stick out that look like quite menacing. Yeah. 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 I was yeah, in I Hawaii last year. What? I think it probably was then. Yeah, they're yeah. they're around a lot when you go scuba diving. But I went <laughs> snorkeling in Hawaii last year, and. Uh, it's so hilarious because I was in like three feet of water and, um, but there was a huge sea turtle on yeah. the bottom. Was it, and, and was I, you in Turtle Beach? Uh, was I at Turtle Beach? Yes. No. Oh. Where's that? Oh. That's, it's on the big island. Oh yeah. No, this was Maui yeah. and we were nowhere near, like there's, there are bays where you can go and see them, but this was just like the beach in front of our hotel. And so I'm just looking for a tiny little angel fish and doodly doo and I'm just you know on the surface and <laughs> sea turtle was on the bottom so I didn't see it it was huge and he just swam up right in front of me like I could have reached out and touched it and I screamed underwater got a huge yeah. mouthful of salt water and it was just so funny because it's like this gentle amazing thing and there I am because <laughs> you know it could have potentially been a shark it could have been yeah that's what I was concerned I've been I was on a film in Hawaii, and we were surrounded by sharks, and we had a shark wrangler. What? Right? Yeah, there's a guy, they, they call them shark wranglers. And you know, other places you go to, you get snake wranglers, shark wranglers, and all, all these people, and they look after it. In Mexico, we had a scorpion wrangler. Oh, Let me my tell you, that's word. A, that's, a, that's another story. The deadliest, most deadliest scorpions in the world are in this particular place in in Mexico, and we had to build a set on this location. And you've never seen so many of these oh. deadliest scorpions in your entire life. So we had to have a couple of wranglers, and they would go around and pick them up, get them up every morning, and uh, put them in jars. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you imagine if that's your job? Scorpion wrangler. Scorpion wrangler. That's the, that's the movie they're showing with guidance counselors now. Yeah. Scorpion yeah. wrangler, shark wrangler. What do you want to be, kid? Yeah. None of it. None of it. On this one in Hawaii, we had shark wranglers, and there was, like, sharks swimming all around us. And uh, um, and they kind of, like, kept them away. But at the, at the end, we had to come in because it was too, you know, it was getting a bit risque. A little too sharky out there. A bit too sharky. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you know what? Let's just finish things off with a nice true or false. True right. or false, you were married to Shaka Khan. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because according I'm, I'm according I'm to 
Um, your, I am, no, I, uh, her Wikipedia page, to, according to a, the interweb, you and Shaka Khan were married for four years in the late 70s, early 80s. <laughs> no, no, it's totally false. It's, I'm tempted to say true, just to kind of like, just to get the whole thing going again. <laughs> no, it has its moments and it builds up. And she used to be married to a guy called Richard Holland and where they had a son, I yeah. believe. And who's now, I think, in jail or was in jail. I'm not quite sure. And But I, Danielle, I get this everywhere I go because somehow or other, it's all been linked to Richard Holland, the production designer. Yes. And me. And it's all over the bloody place. And it drives my wife nuts, of course, you know. But it's like hilarious. And all my friends kind of like, it's like an in-joke. And like at the fair... You know, I hadn't seen some of my film friends for some years, and they turned up and they said, "Well, so how is Shaka then? Is she?" Uh... <laughs> well, I, I mean, because I, I'm just googling you as you do, you know, and I yeah. keep finding all this stuff about Shaka Khan. I'm like, that yeah. is insane, and I'm like, oh, I've got to ask him, but you know, they're divorced and they've got a son. Maybe he won't want to talk about it. Yeah. And so I was like, I, and so before we started recording, I was like, is it cool to talk about the fact that you were married to Shaka Khan? And I, you are I, so not married to Shaka Khan. No, but I, I, I was at a dinner party one, one night um, in Savannah, and I was out there doing, um, looking at the curriculum for the production design uh, at, at SCAD. Okay. You know, the Savannah uh, University. Yeah. And um, they, they got me out there for a couple of weeks to go over their program and blah, blah, blah. Anyhow, one night I'm at dinner there with all the professors and bow ties and coiffed hair and, and all this kind of stuff. And one of them said, we do a lot of research on, on our people that we bring out, you know. And I said, pardon? He says, well, he says, we all know about you and Shaka. And without thinking about it, because I thought the conversation was just going to die, and I thought, I just can't, you know, I just, I said, oh, yes, yeah. You know, blah, blah. Anyhow, they carried on. And the next thing that was going on about, it must be terrible for you and your... And I got so deep into it, I couldn't turn back. You know, it's one of those things. And terrible for your son. And I, you know, and I thought, my son? You know, why is it so terrible? What's going... It turned out, of course, that's when I found out that the son had gone into jail. Oh, my God. And, it, and everybody's looking at me with kind of like pity and... <laughs> Oh, my. so did you get out of it, or did you just have to, like, ride I, it out? I had to ride it out. Oh, my God. I, I, I've gone too far. It's, I, I mean, it's not a habit I make, but it's, <laughs> I've gone too far to to get out of it. And, you know, it was just, it grew, <sighs> kept on growing. And I thought, oh, God, no, you know. Oh, that is so funny. Yeah. Well, according to Wikipedia... Yeah. The reason you guys broke up was that you didn't like her sexy ways and that you tried to get her to not be so sexy and Shaka was having none of it. <laughs> it says that on there. It really yeah. Is. So yeah. You let your wife know, like she better keep her sexiness to a to a, you know, slow boil or else you're out. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah. No, I it is like Everybody, I go, I can, I seriously, I can go to the North Pole and somebody would bring that up. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that I did, but I couldn't help it. I'm just. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's funny. It's pretty funny. Well, and that's yeah. a perfect way for us to end. That was, and we just chatted for an hour and a half. I knew 
Yeah. I knew that we could go for hours if, if they let yeah. us roll, but I need yeah. to let you get on with your day. I need to go and do some things yes. and go get my kid at school. Yeah, I've got to go and get my kids at school. Actually. I, perhaps, please tell perhaps give... they're the same children. Are we yeah. married? <laughs> no, I'm not Shaka Khan. <laughs> Just to be clear. Shaka, are we married? <laughs> um, well, please give your 12-year-old a high five for the fireplace because that's the coolest thing. Yes, I will do. Yeah, and will do. Um, I'm going to put a great big post up this weekend with the podcast. And um, I will... The T-Boy. The T-Boy. The T-Boy. Well, it's either that, that. or it's, gonna, it's either going to be called the T-Boy or... Mermaids? Really? I can't decide. I wrote both of those down. Um, and uh, yeah, and people can see all of your work and everything we've been talking about. And I can't. We have to stay in touch because I cannot yes. wait to see where the next thing yeah. goes. Yeah, we will do. I promise you. I okay. Promise you. Great. You're well, a pleasure. You Very are too. Pleasure. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Great Bye. Thank you. Bye. See, kind, generous, funny with so many insightful gems to share along the way. I don't know about you, but I want to run out and find the next part of my path immediately. Thank you so much to Richard for telling me all of his stories, and I hope that we get to see those mermaids very, very soon. Thanks to Sachi Art for supporting this episode, and thank you for listening. There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.